The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. And cold, weary, frail, the aging Apostle Paul finds himself in prison again. The mighty Apostle, the planter of churches, the teacher of thousands, the author of famous letters to churches, the missionary to the Greeks, the trusted voice to the church is now alone in a dingy, freezing prison cell. This isn't like the last time when Paul was in prison. He was just under house arrest, and it was a little bit more comfortable than this. This is different. This is real prison, and Paul begins to suspect that this may be the end of his journey. With his raspy voice, he gets the attention of, of the guard and begins to beg him for a piece of parchment and a quill and some ink. He tries to reason with the guard. He tells him, I need to send a letter to my son. And Paul didn't mean his biological son because Paul spent his entire life serving Christ and he never settled down got married and had a family. No, he meant his spiritual son, Timothy. He needed to get a letter to Timothy so Timothy would know what Paul's condition is. He wanted him to know, and just maybe he would get to see Timothy one more time. Timothy's father had never been mentioned in Scripture, and so Paul had most likely become like a father to him. He looked to Paul for direction, for encouragement, for wise counsel. He hadn't heard from Paul in a while, and he would wondered, has Paul been captured again? Where's he at? What's going on? Was he even alive? What kind of condition was he in? The aging apostle Paul, he grabs the quill, dips it in the ink, unravels the parchment, and he begins to write the letter we call 2 Timothy. In verse 1, in chapter 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's in prison, you guys. And he's writing this letter to his spiritual son, and he's wanting to communicate to him Timothy, I know 
that persecution of the church is growing. And I know it's getting harder to become a follower of Jesus because it's so easy to just say, oh, I don't know him like Peter did as Christ was being beaten and he was accused of following Jesus. Now that has ramped up and that level of persecution is now getting people thrown into these types of prisons like the one Paul finds himself in. Or, or worse, having your whole family killed in front of your eyes. Or all sorts of just terrible, terrible, terrible torments or persecutions or, or deaths that people were dying. And Timothy knows that this is going on. And Timothy's also feeling some pressure from church leaders. He's also dealing with intimidation and, and, and am I really called to this? Is this something I'm really supposed to do because it's getting harder and it's getting more difficult and, and Timothy is beginning to experience the price tag that comes with leadership. And he's beginning to feel not only the pressure from the outside but also the pressure from inside and the pressure from those who are looking to him as what do we do now? Or those who may be disagreeing with him and saying, I don't think we need to go that direction. I think we need to go this direction. And Timothy's feeling the heat. And Paul wants him to know that excuses don't cut it with God. He wants Timothy to know this is important. This matters. And I'm writing this to you from prison. And I'm wanting you to understand where my heart and my mind and my focus is. My heart and my mind is focused on the peace of God, the joy of God. It's focused on the fact that I'm caring about you and wanting to make sure you're also focused on what's most important because I know that you're afraid and I know there's a lot, that's, you're, a lot of pressure that you're feeling. But Paul wants him to know that you're not going to give up, that we're not going to bow out of this thing because excuses don't cut it with God. Man, Timothy was feeling alone. He felt pressure. He felt overwhelmed. And Paul was saying to him, this is your calling. This is your gifting. This is your responsibility. God's calling on your life is your responsibility. Yours alone. You can't blame your church. You can't blame your pastor. You can't blame your upbringing. You can't blame your lack of resources or what other people say you can or cannot do. Your calling that God has put on your life is your responsibility. Every one of us have been called by God. You are here in this room not because you thought it would be a good idea to come to church. No, God had something else in mind that was bigger than your thoughts. God had a greater why behind your desire to wake up and get dressed and come to church today. And His desire for you was that He wanted you to know that you are called by Him to do something with your life for Him, for His glory, and that thing is your responsibility. It's yours and yours alone. I can't be responsible for your calling. You are responsible for your calling because just like Paul had said to Timothy, I put gifts on the inside of you he said, there's gifts that are there, Timothy. There's a sincere faith. It was in your grandmother. It was in your mother. And I am convinced it's in you too. And I'm reminding you, Timothy, that it's your responsibility to fan this thing into flame. 
It's your responsibility to stir up the gift that's on the inside of you and not let fear dictate what you can or cannot do for God. And not let fear dictate the passion and the fervency in which you serve God because God has not given us a spirit of fear. That fear you're experiencing that, I don't know if I can do this or not. I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I'm gifted. I don't know if I have what it takes. That is not from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a gift. He's given you a calling. And He's put it on the inside of you and He's wanting you to stir it up. And He's wanting you to do something with it and take a step of faith because excuses aren't going to cut it with God. Paul said, I'm writing this from prison, Jack. Excuses don't cut it with God. Paul knew that Timothy had a tendency to feel overwhelmed and and to let that fear immobilize him from doing what God had called him to do. But Paul knew that if this truly was it, if this is the end of my life, I have to make sure that Timothy remembers this. I have to make sure this is my final will and testament to my son, to my spiritual son. This is the most important thing that he needs to hear in his life. And I want him to know these things. And I want him to feel these things and take responsibility for these things. He knew that he was going to be tempted to quit. He knew Timothy was going to be tempted because his, his spiritual father, is the guy he's been looking to for advice and counsel, is probably not going to get out of this one. I hope I get to see him again. I long to see you, but I might not get to. And odds are I probably won't. And he knew that. And so he knew that Timothy had to get this. He knew Timothy couldn't get intimidated by the pressures that were around him to quit. Because once Paul was out of the game, he would go, well, I guess I I really don't want to play either. You see this in sports a lot. Basketball is my favorite. You guys know that. And sometimes a funny thing will happen on a sports team. When the superstar player goes down, The rest of the team rises to the occasion. And you're like, who is this team? Nobody knows the supporting cast. Everybody knew the superstar. Then the superstar went down. They had an injury or or maybe they had something happen to where they couldn't play. That's why I'm really rooting for the Boston Celtics this year. Because they had two superstars go down. They had two superstars go down. I know some of you Cavalier fans, I know, I know, I get it. But I, I'm cheering for the seas because they had two superstars go down and it made everybody else rise up. It made everybody else rise up. Everybody else had to get better. And they've made it all the way to the Eastern Conference fi- Finals. It blows me away. But sometimes when the superstar goes down, everybody else gets deflated. And you've seen that happen too. The superstar goes down and everybody goes, oh, well, there goes our season. I guess we're just not going to put forth a whole bunch of effort. And everybody runs out of gas really quick because they were depending on this one guy. And Paul wanted Timothy to make sure that he didn't run out of gas just because this was maybe the end of the road for him. He didn't want him to quit or give up or maybe just give half an effort because he had been putting his confidence in Paul. No, he wanted him to put his confidence in Christ. And he was reminding him, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. That's what God gives you, Timothy. God has given you the gift. 
People excuse why they don't go to church. They excuse why they don't serve. They excuse why they don't give. They excuse why they don't do what God's created them to do. They excuse why they will have one foot in and one foot out. Oh, there's so many excuses. And then we begin to get caught in the comparison trap and say, well, at least I'm doing better than my neighbor. At least I'm doing better than a family member. At least I'm doing better than this group of people. As if that's somehow the goal to just do better than someone else. And we miss the point of a passionate pursuit of God, and we miss out on becoming who God has created us to be because we're too busy seeking comfort, wanting to either receive approval from someone or feel superior to someone. And we miss it. And we make excuses. Well, at least I'm doing better than, at least I'm doing better than them. At least I'm doing better than, at least I haven't done that. Oh my gosh. At least I've never had that kind of struggle before. We begin to feel ourselves are superior, but excuses do not cut it with God to why you're one foot in, one foot out. Why you're not making that commitment, why you're not serving Him. Because your call has to be bigger than Paul. Are you hearing me this morning? Your call has to be bigger than Paul. I know the Apostle Paul was larger than life, but he's not the one who called you. He's not the one that breathed his breath into your lungs and created you. He's not the one who gave you life and who had a purpose and a destiny for you. No, Paul saw potential and he invested in that and groomed that and was used by the Lord. But your call has to be bigger than Paul. You see, God called Timothy. I know you got saved under Pastor So-and-So's ministry, and I know that his ministry meant a lot to you, and I know that Pastor So-and-So made a big investment in you and gave you opportunity, and I know that this person gave you this shot and that shot, and that's great. Thank God for that, but your call is bigger than that person. Your call is bigger than any individual. Your calling is something given to you by God. The gifts didn't come from that person either. They came from God. And it's your responsibility to stir that thing up and not allow fear dictate what you can and cannot do for the Lord. Your call has to be bigger than any one man. Let's keep on reading. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me His prisoner, but we share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose, because of His grace, which He gave in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to and light to the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer like I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know what I have believed, and I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. When the pressures make you want to quit, remember the gospel. When the pressure makes you want to give up, remember the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm not changing my message because it challenges people's traditions. He said, I'm not changing my message and who God has called me to be because you don't like it. And it might be inconvenient 
I am not changing who God has made me to be, and I'm called to this. And Timothy, so are you. So don't be ashamed of Jesus, and don't be ashamed of me just because when I preached this message, it got me thrown in jail, and you go, oh boy, if that got him thrown in jail, I, I, I better come up with my own version that doesn't get me thrown in jail. Because I really like my life. Because I really like my life. And Jesus said, in Matthew 16, he said, whoever loves this life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever will save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it. Even if it gets you thrown in prison. Jesus suffered, did he not? He suffered for you and for me. He suffered for us so we didn't have to suffer. Oh my goodness, that's not even fair. But that's grace that we didn't get what we deserved because we deserved what Christ went through on the cross, but we didn't get that. Jesus took it in our place so we didn't have to. And Jesus suffered. And Jesus wants us to understand that this faith also has suffering. And Paul suffered. And Timothy was going to suffer. And he may have been suffering in the moment that he read that letter. Timothy was suffering challenges, hardships. He was suffering people not liking him. Oh my goodness. I'm going to quit the ministry because people don't like me. I'm going to throw in the towel because nobody likes me. It's bigger than you. Here's the thing. <laughs> Suffering, challenges, hardships, and people not liking you. That's kind of part of the deal. We're not in this just because everyone does what we want, when they want. And we're not in this because of how we always get treated and celebrated. And we're in this because Jesus called us. Because He has gifted us to do something with our lives that is bigger than any one individual. That He has called us to do something with our lives for Him. And He wants to do it through us. It's easy to change your message when your message ceases to be popular. Man, that's easy. That's what politicians do. <laughs> they stand for one thing and then it becomes an unpopular opinion with their constituents and so they change their position so they can retain their power. And you see that all the time. Oh, I thought you used to think that way. Oh yeah, that was just to get your vote so I could keep my job. Politicians do that. That's not what we as Christians are called to do. It's easy to question your calling when it ceases to make you popular with certain people. It's easy to question, should I really be passionately pursuing God and really giving Him everything? Because, man, it sure is making people look at me funny. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who stand out on the corner and pray out loud. And don't be like the Pharisees that when they uh, fast, they disfigure their faces and just make this I'm fasting face. Um, this is my I'm fasting face. You look awful. You must be fasting. No, my face is just stuck like this. I don't know. 
He said, don't be like them. He said, don't pray out loud so you can be seen of men. He said, because if you want to pray out loud to be seen like men, be seen of men, he said, they've already got their reward. Guess what their reward is? They are seen of men. I hope you enjoyed that because it had no eternal bearing at all. And we're supposed to live our lives in light of eternity. We're supposed to live our lives to make an eternal impact, not to get a pat on the back. Amen? And Paul's trying to get this through to Timothy because he knows it's tough. We often become afraid of what we lose if we choose to abandon ourselves to Christ and truly accept the calling that God has for us. It's always, that's what we always weigh. We always throw it on the scales of our heart. What are we going to lose? What's this going to cost me? Whoever loves his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it. That's what Jesus said. That's not easy. I uprooted my family from comfort, from familiarity, to move 900 miles to preach the gospel and to pastor this church. That wasn't easy. And it wasn't easy once we got started, no matter how much support or how celebrated that I was in that moment, people encouraging me. I appreciated all of that. But it was still hard. And then there's hard decisions. And then there's hard parts along that journey that made you go, oh, what am I doing? I don't know what's happening here. This isn't very fun. There were times that were fun, and then there were times that no fun. I don't want people to like me. But whoever, whoever loses his life for the sake of Christ will find it. You will find something that you didn't even know you were looking for because your heart is trying to draw you to the things of God if you belong to Him. And the Spirit of God in you is trying to draw you to the places that He wants you to be and the things He wants you to do and the relationships He wants you to have. And yeah, it might be tough, but it's for the glory of God. It's in light of eternity. And if you lose your life, if you lose your comfort, if you lose your own care, for what other people may say or do, you will find something so much greater. And that's what Paul's trying to get through to Timothy. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, we left off in 12, so let's pick up in 13. Paul says this, he says, follow the pattern of sound words or sound doctrine that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit trusted in you. You're aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom were Phygelus and Hermogenes, or whatever, Herm. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, if you're pregnant and you're looking for baby names, <laughs> pick that one. I would love to dedicate your baby. <laughs> Sorry. For 
He often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived at Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant to him, and may he may find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Keep reading chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God has called you every one of you, maybe not to be in a position like what I'm in as a teacher of the gospel and a pastor and leader of a church. That may not be your gifting. That may not be your calling. And that's okay. That doesn't make me more special than you. That doesn't make my calling more significant than your calling. God has called you. Some of you have been called to be business owners, and God wants you to be a business owner for the glory of God, and He wants you to treat employees with respect and show them the gospel by the way you live your life. Some of you have been called to be amazing mothers and, 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 and women who are, are raising up and nurturing the next generation that is going to take the gospel forward. Some of you, God is calling to be a, a great neighbor and to go into love on your neighbors and to care for them and to show them the gospel by the way that you live your life. Some of you, God is calling to be a small group leader here at this church because there are people that need to be discipled and invested in. And because of that, God has been pulling on you, but you've been going, I don't know if I've got what it takes. And God says, it's not about you. Well, that's uncomfortable. Perfect. Because if it was comfortable, it would be dependent on how awesome you are. And you're not that awesome, so you should sign up. Not because you're awesome, but because you're willing. Are you hearing me this morning? We stay away from the things God tugs on our hearts because we go, well, I can't do this. Well, get I out of the way. And get in line with all of the other people in the Bible that God used that said they couldn't do it too. Hey, Moses, I want you to go lead the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. Blah. You got the wrong guy. Exactly. I picked the wrong guy on purpose because it's not about your ability. It's not because you're a great speaker, because you're not even good at that, Moses. You're like the worst speaker. This is going to be awesome. You can't even talk that great. 
this is going to be awesome because it's going to give so much glory to God. Because someone can't depend on their own strength. they got to depend on God. Or, well, what about Jeremiah? Jeremiah, God calls him, and Jeremiah says, Oh, Lord, I'm too young. Okay, perfect. I love it. You are too young. You're exactly right. You're super unqualified to be doing this, but I pick you. Because when I start moving through you and doing things through you, people are going to go, that's got to be God. That guy's way too young. It doesn't make sense. He doesn't have the proper training. He doesn't have the proper degree. He doesn't have the proper experience. Oh, no, but he was God's guy. What about Peter, who's a fisherman? No training whatsoever. Jesus goes, tax collector. Yeah, come follow me. Fisherman, yeah, come follow me. Who are you picking, Jesus? Why didn't you go knock on the door of the seminary? No, those are the people that he actually began to challenge the most because they thought that they were qualified. Look how qualified I am. And Jesus said, yeah, you're a whitewashed tomb. You're pretty on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. Let me go talk to the fishermen. That's who I want to I invest in. I want to go invest in the tax collector, the guy everybody hates. Jesus blew people's minds by the team that he picked. They were like, this is not cool, Jesus. He's like, yeah, this is great. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. Are you kind of catching a pattern of God? The man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament used to kill Christians for a living. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. And I know that you don't feel qualified, but I'm glad you don't feel qualified. But don't let the feeling of feeling unqualified hinder you from stepping out and doing what God is pulling and tugging on your heart to do. Maybe there's some things you need to learn. Maybe there's some things you need to grow in. Maybe there's some opportunities you need to say yes to. That doesn't mean you'll go from here to here overnight because you've got to learn responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required. You've got to learn, just like the men with the talents, they each were given things according to their, to their ability, and so there, there's a learning process in this, but you've got to say yes at some point, because you keep saying no, and you keep saying, well, I can't do it, and God's like, that's why I want you, that's why every time a message comes from this pulpit, the same feeling you get over and over just exists there and tugs, and you just try to ignore and go, somebody else will do it, but it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility. And, and, and don't belittle the thing God's calling you to do. It doesn't matter if God is calling you to stand and say, hello, welcome to Word of Grace. Here's a bulletin. Glad you're here. That has to happen. That's something that God may be putting a gift of hospitality in you that prepares someone's heart to hear the message of salvation. God may be tugging on your heart. He's just saying, are you willing? Are you available? Or are you going to let fear and, and, and all the, the things you feel not qualified to do keep you from doing the things that God has called you to do? I'm busy. So is everybody else. We've all been given the same 24 hours in a day. It's not that you're busy. It's that we got the wrong priorities. 
We say yes to so many things that God's saying, what are you sacrificing for me? And folks, God has been challenging me with this lately because being a pastor, church is easy for me. It's not a sacrifice. Loving our church family is something that not only I'm called to do, but it's something I do here as a pastor because this is the job that God has given me for this day and time. Your job may be that you work at Bemis at a factory or you work at Kohler Company or whatever. That may not be your, your job to get to do church all the time. And so I had to ask myself, what am I giving up? What am I inconveniencing myself for for God? And I still don't have a good answer. I'm ashamed to say that. Because I can go, oh, I spent time praying for our church. I've prayed today. I've spent time in the Bible because I prepared a message today. That's what I do but what am, what am I giving up for God? What am I giving up for Him? What, what, what am I being challenged in? Because He said in Romans 12 and 2, to, 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 in Romans 12 and 1, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What am I sacrificing for God if it's... You hear what I'm saying this morning? What are you sacrificing for God? What are you inconvenienced? Because if it's all convenient, then it doesn't require God. If it's all convenient, it really doesn't require God. You can just handle it on your own. That's great. Just like when you've got money in the bank and your car breaks down and you had money to pay for it, you don't stress out as much. There's not as big of a challenge. You just write the check. Boom, good. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. Wasn't that big of a hit on our bottom dollar because I had to replace a tire but you've been there too when, when you didn't have it, right? And that thing happened to the car or, or, the, or the furnace goes out. And you're like, oh, how are we going to do this? And it's a challenge. And then you've got to say, well, we've got to say no to this, 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 and this to be able to make this happen. And you had, to, you had to stretch yourself. And it was uncomfortable. Exactly, yeah. And you had to say, I, 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 we've, I've got to make some changes to figure this out. Because something became the priority. What are we being challenged to serve God in? To move around our priorities that stretches us beyond our capacity. That stretches us beyond the margin that we have in our schedule. Is He worth it? You see, God has called you. Do you think you're sitting in this church today by happenstance? No, I don't think that. I think that you're here because God wants to remind you of your calling. He wants to remind you of your gifting. He has put something on the inside of you to accomplish the call that He has called you to for your life, and He wants you to be reminded to stir up the gift, to press through fear, to endure hardships, and to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. We've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. We're all conduits of the love of God and the truth of God to a lost world without hope. We're not an end to ourselves. That God just pours out His love and His truth and we just tank up on it. We just, oh, we're just storing it up for winter. Nope. It comes in us and it flows out of us because to whom much is given, much is required. And the grace that's been shown to us, we need to show to others. The truth that's been given to us, we need to give to others. The love that's been poured out on us, we need to pour out to others. And that's our call. We have only 
that hope that can, we have the only hope that can impact someone's eternity. That's what we possess. That's what, man, we've got the only thing that can change someone's forever. Your boss might be able to change your financial future if he or she gives you a big raise, and that's great. The company might be able to change your vacation plans and give you another week of vacation. Woohoo! But only God can change your eternity. No man can change your eternity. And you and I are conduits of that message. We're carriers of that message. The message of reconciliation, that what was lost is now found. God, open the eyes of our heart to see this. So will you accept that call? Will you stand up for what's right? Will you say yes to the opportunity that's in front of you? And will you begin to learn what to do with your call? The choice is yours. Maybe some of you are being called to accept Christ today. Maybe you're called to accept Christ right now because you've been hearing this message of the cross. You've been hearing this message about the gospel and the goodness of God, but you haven't surrendered to it because you're worried about what somebody else is going to think, because you're worried about what someone else might do, because you're afraid of what you're going to lose. And today is the day of salvation for you where Jesus is saying, yep, I was gunning for you today. I want you to give up. I want you to surrender. You've been on my heart. Stop running. Today is the day to accept the call of God. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines way too long. And God is nudging you today. Get in the game. God has been nudging you, and today is a bigger nudge than normal. It's a bigger poke than normal. I hope your ribs are a little sore because it's not your spouse elbowing you, but because it's the Holy Spirit saying, it's, it's you. It's you. I'm talking to you. It's time to get in the game. You've been sitting on the sidelines for too long being a, soak, being, being a soaking sponge of all of the things that God has been doing in our church, and He's calling you to be more than a sponge. Today is the day for that. Some of you used to be set on fire for God. You used to be so passionate about serving the Lord. But somewhere along the way, you got disappointed. Somewhere, some pastor, some church leader, some friend, some person that was called a, a Christian or a teacher, they disappointed you and they wounded you and they hurt you. And you thought it extinguished your fire. They didn't love you through a challenge. They didn't say the right thing. And you miss out on the fact that they're human because you point back to them as the reason that you can't move forward. I don't want to be hurt in a church like that again. I don't want to get close to church leadership. because I'll just get hurt again. I don't want to, I don't want to get too involved. Stay out here on the sidelines on the fringe. I'll get hurt again. But you were so passionate for God. You gave up so much for God. You inconvenienced yourself so much for God. And you're like, man, you look back on those years as, as years ago as if, as if way back then, man, if I could just recapture that. And God's like, no, I don't want you to go backwards. I want you to go forwards. 
But you've got to stir up the gift. You got to say yes. You got to stand up and go, I'm going to inconvenience myself, even though everything within me is cringing right now. I'm going to say yes. Not for your comfort, not for your convenience, no excuses, no fear, Timothy. As a matter of fact, it probably will be inconvenient. I can guarantee it. Because God is not calling you into convenience. I promise you, 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 you might not even like it. <laughs> Way to encourage, Pastor. <laughs> it, it may not be convenient. Matter of fact, it'll probably be really inconvenient. And it's going to require you to give up some things you don't want to give up. But God's saying give it up. God's saying let go of the grudge. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the unforgiveness. Yeah, but I been so close to it we become such good friends yeah let's time to let it go <clears throat> even the good things it's not always the sin that he wants us to let go of sometimes it's the good things those are the harder ones to let go of we we obviously know we're christians we, we hear the bible taught and we read the bible and we pray to god i know i'm supposed to give up sin but oh you mean that good thing oh oh that too huh yeah because if you hold on to the good thing too much, it becomes an idol, and then it becomes sin. Not sin for everyone, but sin for you. Because you begin to hold on to something that you thought you always needed to have, and God said, no, I'm wanting that too, because that's got your heart, and I, I, I want everything. And He's the only one that's worth everything. Amen? He's the only one that's worth everything. I don't know what God is doing in you, but man, I don't even know what God is doing in me, but it is messing me up. It's wrecking my life. I, yesterday, I was going to go help a friend of mine put up a fence, and I was going to get in my truck so casually, and God said, where are you going? I said, what do you mean, where am I going? He said, you left your Bible on the kitchen table. I've got it on my phone. It's cool. He said, go back and get it. Okay. I don't know what God's doing in me, but he didn't want me to get in my truck without my Bible because he doesn't want me to forget why I'm here. And he doesn't want you to forget why you're here either. He doesn't want you to forget that you've been called to something. He doesn't want you to forget who you are. He doesn't want you to miss this thing. He doesn't want you to miss it, and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be inconvenient, but he's called you. He's called you. God, help us. Help every single one of us in this place today to submit to what you're doing in us. Help us to submit to what you're trying to show us and stop fighting you and wrestling with you. Show us, Father, your clear path, your, your clear, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't necessarily even want to do it. Lord, help 
us to submit our will to your will because it's not about us. This is not about us. This, this Sunday morning thing, Lord, we acknowledge is not about us. It's not Christian entertainment. This is us worshiping a holy God and getting to hear from him because, Lord, you not only speak to us through your word, but you also take your word and speak to individuals through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to people's hearts today, for, for, for pulling something out of them to remind them to stir up the gift of God, to awaken to the call, to accept the call to be the men and women you've called us to be, to not make excuses any longer. Help us to do that, O oh Lord. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.